You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, if you're a new listener, this is where we talk about what's going on in the economy. We look at different times we've been in similar situations, historically speaking, and we try to sort it all out and tell you what it might mean for you and your money. And that exercise has never been more important than it is today, given the volatility of financial markets and given the extreme monetary policies that are now being pursued. You know, if you'd like to have a resource and get some more information on what you might consider doing with your assets, your 401k or your IRA, I would like to invite you to visit the website revenuesourcingbook.com and get a free copy of the number one best-selling book that was released earlier this year. The book will explain to you how to use the two-bucket approach to potentially help you successfully navigate today's very difficult environment. The website, again, to get your free copy of the number one best-selling book, Revenue Sourcing is revenuesourcingbook.com. That website, again, revenuesourcingbook.com. Just let us know where you'd like us to mail the book, and we'll be glad to get you a copy of it out in the mail immediately. Joining me on today's program, Dr. Robert McHugh. Uh, Bob is one of the hardest working analysts uh, in the business. His website, technicalindicatorindex.com, is a site that I visit frequently to get his perspective. So I know you're going to enjoy my conversation with Bob coming up in the next segment. You know, this past week, past guest here on the program and former presidential candidate Ron Paul wrote a very interesting piece about the Fed's new policy. Now, just a moment ago, I mentioned extreme monetary policy, and it seems that this extreme policy is now going to get even more extreme. I'm going to give you just a bit from Dr. Paul's article. He writes this, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell recently announced that the Fed is abandoning inflation targeting, where the Fed aims to maintain a price inflation rate of up to 2%. Instead, the Fed will allow inflation to remain above 2% to balance out periods of lower inflation. Now, my comment is simply this. First of all, it's really not a new policy. The Fed has been allowing inflation to run at a much higher rate than 2% for a very long time. And the reason I conclude that is that the measure of inflation, which is the consumer price index, is extremely flawed. Now, past guest here on the program, John Williams, who has the website shadowstats.com, tracks the inflation rate using methodologies that the government used to use. And if you calculate the methodology that was used before the initial change in CPI came in 1983, According to Mr. Williams' calculations, the current inflation rate is about 9%. And if you've been to the grocery store, 
that probably rings a lot more true than 2%. Now, another index that is used to track the inflation rate, using a method that you and I might decide to use if we were given the task of figuring out what the inflation rate really is, is the Chapwood Index. And the Chapwood Index takes a look at consumer items in metropolitan areas and compares the current cost with costs at different points historically in time. And they calculate what the difference in price is, and that's how they determine the inflation rate. Now, the Chapwood Index also explains how and why this CPI calculation was changed. Well, in 1983, many of you probably remember that time frame, CPI, the Consumer Price Index, according to the government, the inflation rate was 12%. So according to the Chapwood Index, the government modified the CPI calculation to save money. In order to save money on salary increases and entitlement benefits, which would mean social security payments, pension payments of some types, those are all tied to CPI. So the government changed their calculation of the CPI to reflect a much lower number. Now, CPI underwent another change in 1996 with the Boskin Commission. These changes watered down the number even more. Now, the Chapwood Index estimates that between 1996 and 2006, the changes made by the Boskin Commission saved the U.S. government over $680 billion. The Chapwood Index said that the CPI increase from 2008 to 2012 over that five-year period of time was a total of 10.2%, but according to the research done by the Chapwood Index, in 2012 alone, inflation ran about that level. And incidentally, the Chapwood Index confirms within about a percentage point what Mr. Williams concludes. So this change by the Fed to let inflation run a little bit hotter than 2% or a little bit higher than 2% isn't really all that much of a policy shift. The Fed has been letting inflation run a lot higher than that anyway. Now, Dr. Paul writes that when you take a look at the debt that exists today, total household debt is over $16 trillion. Total business debt is over $16 trillion. And, of course, the federal government has a significant amount of debt. The Fed really has to keep inflation low to try to keep the government debt manageable and to try to keep the economy chugging along. That explains current interest rates, and it, in, it really explains the current demand in many parts of the country for residential real estate. Interest rates are extremely low. I talked to someone this past week who is paying 2.75% interest on a 30-year mortgage that they just obtained. That's significant. 
If you're borrowing $300,000 at 2.75% for 30 years, your monthly payment is about $1,225. If interest rates go to 7%, your monthly payment increases to just about $2,000. About a 70% increase in the size of the payment. Now, Dr. Paul makes a really interesting point. He says, and I quote, once the lockdown ends, or once the lockdowns end, I should say, the Fed's action may lead to a short-term boom. However, the long-term effect will be even more debt and continued erosion of the average American standard of living and the collapse of the fiat money system and the welfare warfare state. The crisis will likely be brought on by a rejection of the dollar's reserve currency status. This will be supported by both concerns about the stability of the U.S. economy and resentment over America's hyper-interventionist foreign policy. He concludes, the question is not if the current system will end. The question is how it will end. I would encourage you to check out that piece that Dr. Paul just published. You can find it at Mises.org, M-I-S-E-S.org. Again, if you're just joining me for this segment, uh, stay tuned. In the next segment, Dr. Bob McHugh will be joining me. And I'd also like to invite you to get a free copy of my number one best-selling book uh, called Revenue Sourcing. And Revenue Sourcing will give you some strategies to help you potentially navigate where we're headed as a result of these extreme monetary policies. To get your copy of the free book, just visit revenuesourcingbook.com. The website, again, is revenuesourcingbook.com. Just enter your address, and we'll be glad to send you a complimentary copy. Again, the website, revenuesourcingbook.com. I'll be back after these words. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me on today's program is returning guest, uh, Dr. Bob McHugh. Uh, Bob has the website Technical Indicator Index. Uh, he publishes his uh, daily newsletter there. Uh, Bob is one of the hardest working guys in uh, market analysis, and I'd encourage you to check out the website again, Technical Indicator Index. Uh, Bob also wrote a book uh, several years ago called The Coming Economic Ice Age, and it's probably more timely, uh, timely, more of a timely read now than it was at the time it was published, so I'd encourage you to check that out as well. Uh, Bob, hey, welcome back to the program. Hey, thanks, Dennis. It's uh, great to be here. So, Bob, when I talk about technical analysis, there's probably a listener or two out there that aren't exactly sure what that means, so... Could you just jump in and, and briefly talk about uh, the, the, the science or the art, or maybe it's a blend of the two that, that you practice and what it is? Sure. Um, markets are moved by fear increase, uh, and uh, people buy and sell based upon whether they're expecting prices to go higher based on the world they live around, or whether they're expecting to go down, they, they sell or back out, of course. Um, and what technical analysis does is it tries to measure the uh, group psychology of mankind uh, 
all, the theory is that all information known by all people on Earth is uh, reflected in the markets, and that uh, we can measure uh, the group uh, belief of the markets uh, where they're headed next, and that the markets actually tell us where they're headed next based on a measure of this uh, universal group uh, think uh, by everybody everywhere that knows everything about everything. And uh, it's amazing that, that there are patterns that give us uh, forecasts that are very highly reliable, and there are uh, overbought, oversold indicators. There are other measures, and momentum measures, that all take into consideration uh, sentiment indicators. They all take into consideration what people in general are thinking. Well, Bob, since uh, you were last on the program, we have had uh, the CARES Act that was passed uh, back in March. And as part of that, uh, the U.S. Treasury is now borrowing money from the Fed and buying private corporate bonds. Uh, seems like uh, we have a lot of um, interference, if you will, or manipulation in markets or at least some some forces that are uh, very impactful that haven't been there before. And then, of course, as you have brought up here on the program, uh, there is something called the Plunge Protection Team or the Working Group on Capital on Financial Markets, rather, that uh, can intervene as far as stocks are concerned. So comment, if you will, about maybe how markets have changed from some of these uh, these outside forces over the last uh, 30 years or so and how it affects your work. Okay, well, how it affects my work is interesting because um, it actually is taken into consideration in technical analysis. Technical analysis can anticipate and measure uh, even involvement in the plunge protection team, the Federal Reserve involvement. Uh, for example, when we had the crash in March, um, th this was the start of what I believe is grand supercycle degree wave four, which is correcting a two-century rally. And uh, it had bottomed at a level, what we called an A down move. So we knew there was going to be a B up move coming very shortly right after that. That's what technical analysis said. Contemporary with that, uh, the Federal Reserve and the CARES Act uh, started buying uh, securities in the market by, by the trillions. And they added $2.5 trillion worth of securities, their balance sheet, and printed cash out of thin air and exchanged that. The exchange went on in the, with the Wall Street banks. So the Wall Street banks got rid of securities from customers themselves, and they now found themselves with $2.5 trillion. The Plunge Protection Team, which the President's Working Group, which was designed in 1988 after the 87 crash, allows the Federal Reserve to participate with the, with the Treasury um, and the SEC and the Commodity Futures Commission to use New York City banks, mega city banks, to buy the stock market. They can buy futures on the stock market to drive the price up. So they took $2.5 trillion and invested a ton of it in, in the index futures in the stock market, which was our wave B up. And wave Bs are generally in a, in a, in a, in a grand super cycle wave four that we're in will be very, very violent, very uh, aggressive. And uh, so uh, we're, we're just about at the conclusion of that B wave right now. So, you know, Bob, there's, I'm sure there's a number of listeners out there that are trying to navigate these markets uh, and, and their investments in a 401k or an IRA, just trying to get to retirement. And the fact that uh, 
a committee exists that can actually manipulate markets in the United States, which is supposed to be a free market economy, which we both know is is, is not true anymore. Um, that 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 probably comes as a shock to to those people. So, what kind of an advi- what kind of advice would you give them? Uh, about navigating this current environment if they're if they're trying to save for retirement and invest the traditional way? Well, it's a real challenge. And, uh, you know, the Fed's balance sheet was less than $1 trillion back in 2007. It's now $7.25 So that's how much uh, manipulation and cash they brought in to the markets in that uh, 13-year period. Uh, so there, there's a brain there that, that's outside the economy that, isn't, that is affecting the, our free market uh, to, to, uh, to, the, to make things very difficult for investors. And the thing is, they, they don't always do it, and they, they stop every now and then, and then the markets can, can freely fall. And it's kind of like stretching a rubber band. The more they get involved, the worse the next drop is going to be. And uh, they, they started this back in the the early 2000s, and we saw we ended up with the Great Recession as a result of a lot of their uh, manipulation back in their 2003 to 5. So, you know, what they're doing now is just going to make some next current or future uh, uh, market move to be even worse. What does an individual do? Um, well, you're going to have to diversify. You're going to have to have a lot of cash. One of the reasons we do this technical analysis is we can kind of get a handle on when it's kind of ready for it to go back down again. And then we can kind of get a handle on when it's probably bottoming and it's going to go back up. So you almost have to do a little market timing in your in your uh, in your investing or uh, or or you know go having cash and that kind of thing. It's challenging though. It makes it tough. It makes it a lot harder than if they just stay out. Well, if you're just joining us, we're chatting today with Dr. Bob McHugh. Bob's website is technicalindicatorindex.com. You can find his uh, excellent newsletter there and his most recent book, um, The Coming Economic Ice Age. Even though it was published a few years ago, it's a very timely read. I would encourage you to check that out as well. Uh, Bob, what do you make of this uh, new policy or this what the Fed is calling a new policy, this average inflation targeting, which as uh, you kind of read between the lines, it's the Fed saying, you know what, uh, we're going to keep interest rates low. We're going to keep this loose money policy for a long time. And, you know, if inflation runs a little bit hotter, so be it. At least that's my take on it. Uh, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, that's what they're saying. Um, but I think you're going to look at uh like real estate is, is popping, uh, it's, in, it's highly inflatable right now, highly inflation, high inflation in the real estate market. Um, products at the grocery store are, are very expensive. Um, we basically are moving into socialism. That's what you're really seeing here. Government uh, handouts, government uh, manipulation market. I mean, we are now in socialism. And what happens in socialism is shortages. That's economics 101. Socialism, government intervention means shortages. Shortages on the supply side. You go into the grocery store, it doesn't have this, it doesn't have that. We don't have enough new housing. Uh, so prices go up. So they're actually making inflation much higher than it had to be, and they're, and they're not being honest about the, uh, the, the consumer price index numbers, the wholesale price index numbers. They're not honest numbers. If anybody with any common sense just goes anywhere, looks in the paper, the, on the Internet, you can see the prices are popping everywhere for everything. 
So, Bob, do you see the end game here being um, a hyperinflationary type depression? I've interviewed uh, John Williams on the program. That that's his take. Uh, Alistair McLeod uh, has said we're, we're we're likely going to see a hyperinflationary outcome. Uh, would you agree with that, or would you have a different perspective? No, I'm, I'm agreeing with that, uh, but they're not going to call it hyperinflation because they're not measuring an accurate number of inflation. They're making everybody think that uh, there's very little inflation. They're keeping interest rates low artificially. If they were allowed to float, interest rates would, would probably be up around 10%. Um, and uh, they're, they're deflating the value of the dollar. It takes more dollars to do anything, to buy anything. So that's going to – people are going to run short cash, and they're going to run short of money, income. And, uh, yeah, that will create the, the, the coming depression side of that hyperinflation, the, the depression uh, commentary analysis. Yeah, I agree. So, Bob, you made a comment that uh, we're moving toward socialism. So do you see – as a result of this uh, that this monetary policy that's being pursued that obviously can't work long-term, do you see these socialistic tendencies and trends becoming more extreme? Oh, yes, I think so. I think uh, the mood of the people, and they're being manipulated in their thinking, is uh, I need help from the government. You know, I want free med- medical care. I want uh, handouts because uh, I lost my job. I want extended unemployment benefits, I want this, I want that, I want the other thing, and, and the money to me, and oh, by the way, push the stock market up too, if you will, would it be okay if you'd buy the stock market for us, Mr. Federal Reserve, and, you know, it just creates shortages, it just, it's, it's just going to mean that we're all dependent upon the government for everything, and we're all going to be finding ourselves in the soup, and, and say, what happened? You know, Bob, we've got time for one more question here in this segment. Seems to me that this policy, you know, works until it doesn't. You, you know, history teaches us that you can't just create money out of thin air uh, without devastating consequences and some type of a reset. So what do you think the end game is here? How does this play out in your view? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know if they're headed for a cashless monetary system with uh, – you know, electronic uh, money, and this is the way they're trying to get us there. I don't know if we'll go back to the gold standard. Probably not. But um, gold is certainly an excellent defense. Um, it's in a little correction right now, uh, and, but they're inside a very long-term rising trend. So, you know, that's a defense. But I'm not sure what their end game is. Uh, perhaps it's a globalist totalitarian takeover of the world with one leader in all nations uh you know, reporting to that person through the United Nations or something. And this is the way to do it, to get to make the nations all in economic ruin and used to looking to governments for solutions. So, um, you know, maybe that's the end game. I'm, I'm not sure. It's, it's uh, uncertain times, that, that's for sure. Well, we're chatting today with Dr. Bob McHugh, and we are going to get Bob's take on actual markets in the next segment when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. You are listening to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. I have the pleasure again today of chatting with Dr. Bob McHugh. If you're not familiar with Dr. McHugh's work, I would encourage you to go check out technicalindicatorindex.com. 
and uh, his newsletter, which uh, I read regularly, I would encourage you to check out. Um, his most recent book, The Coming Economic Ice Age, um, is, is really, it was published several years ago, and it's really prophetic as to where we are today, so I'd encourage you to check that out as well. Hey, Bob, in this segment, let's talk to people that have an IRA or have a 401k, and they're, they're, they're trying to figure out what to do. And you had mentioned uh, in the last segment that you're bullish long-term uh, on gold. And obviously, when you look at central bank policies, that's a fundamental reason to be bullish on gold. But what are you seeing technically? Well, technically, gold is in a long-term rising trend. Uh, and it's going to go much higher over the coming years. But along any rising trend or any falling trend, you have pullbacks, you have corrections within that larger degree trend. And right now, we've seen for the last uh, couple months that gold has been uh, consolidating in a triangle sideways pattern, correcting the rally that it had uh, for the for the uh, several months prior to that, uh, all year, really. And so um, once this correction completes, then we're going to see another pop-up uh, in gold. Um, I have it in a, in a way two down now after it just completed a parabolic rally, which was the wave one rally, and, and progressive waves move in five ways. So if we're in a two, that means there's a three, four, and five coming in our future, all in the up direction, three up, four down, five up. So uh, a very bullish gold, but short term, uh, it may need another drop. Uh, it's in the triangle. It's hard to tell whether it's going to drop out of the triangle a little bit to further correct down to the 1800 area or something like that, or 1700 area, or will it be done with the, once the triangle is complete? Will that be the full correction? And it'll start shooting up from here uh, well above the recent highs around 2100. But uh, long term, I like gold. So, Bob, what would your take be uh, listening to analysts like Peter Schiff has been on the program in the past, and he's predicted that uh, we'll see gold of 5,000. Uh, Jim Rickards uh, recently uh, said that we would see gold of 15,000 by, I think it was 2026, uh, so somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, do you think those are realistic targets? Yes, definitely. Um, when I just mentioned this five-way, one, two, three, four, five, that's, that's in a larger degree, wave three. Well, you know, there's still a four to five going up after that. So long-term, yeah, those targets are definitely doable for gold. You see the hyperinflation going on with printing. I mean, when the Fed prints $2.5 trillion in six months, which is completely unheard of, it's completely absurd, it's completely unnecessary and irresponsible, that is hyperinflation, and that is going to leak into all products and services and uh, all real estate. And, um, you know, gold is the defense. Gold sees the hyperinflation, means the dollar's worth less. And gold has, has definitely got those mega targets that they mentioned. I would agree with that based on the charts I'm looking at. So do you have a, a thought on, on silver uh, when compared to gold? Uh, is that anything that you analyze? Yes, I look at silver also. Uh, silver is also uh, very, very bullish. Uh, it's, it's got a, a bright future, not to the extent gold does, based on the charts I'm looking at, but definitely it's, it's going to be long-term bullish 
has a, a further upside to go. Um, maybe not the percentage growth that uh, gold is going to have. Because gold is is a stronger monetary unit. Um, it's it's more valuable in technology uh, for industrial reasons, and with the uncertainty and safe haven issues that uh, gold draws, um, gold will do better as we move forward into a more chaotic world. But silver is going to do okay. It's going to hang in there. It's going to it's going to trail gold, but it's going to go in the same direction uh, over time. Yes. So let's talk about someone that uh, is investing in a 401k and their their options are really stock funds and, and bond funds and maybe some type of stable value fund, which is not at all uncommon. And, and let's start with stocks. I mean, when, when you take a look at where stocks are and you look at the fundamentals, and I guess, you know, that maybe talking about fundamentals uh, uh, would be interesting when, when, when I'm talking to a technical uh, analyst or a technical expert here. But if you take a look at Warren Buffett's favorite indicator, the, the, the market cap to GDP ratio, I mean, that number is off the charts, which tells us that from a fundamental perspective, uh, certainly stocks are extremely overvalued. What are you seeing from a technical standpoint? Uh, same thing. Overvalued, overbought, um, overbullish sentiment-wise from a contrarian indication. Uh, Elliott wave analysis, the charts are saying it's uh, ready to bottom or ready to go down again. Um, patterns are saying it, it, it's got a long way to go on the downside. So it's a consistency here that um, there's it's, it's just the Fed's money that got leaked into the, the uh, market to bounce us off the March lows. But the big picture is this is a grand super cycle degree wave four down, which um, we have never seen in centuries. And uh, so this this is going to be uh, bloody. It, it, the problem with wave fours is that they can overlap. Uh, there's a lot of choppiness to them. There's a lot of bounce backs, but they work their way lower over time. So um, there is there is an opportunity to make some money with market timing, which is why I like technical analysis. Very good with market timing. Um, you can play the waves down and up, down and up. You're going to get a lot of those kind of down up moves in a great grand super cycle wave four. So that's a way to make money. But the overall arching uh, trend will be overall. But by the end of this wave, it's going to be the super cycle is going to be much far lower than we see now, and that'll correct a lot of the uh, um, overvaluation that's going on in the stocks at this time. I mean, it's only a handful of stocks that are really driving this market up, and that's not one of the clues you have as to why you know it's the Federal Reserve involved in, in working group to buy in this market. You know, the, it's the, the FANG stocks, the uh, technology-favorite stocks, Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Tesla, Netflix. I mean, they're, those are the ones that are sky high, and the rest of the market has not really done that well. So um, that's, that's my thought on that. So, Bob, can you envision a scenario under which, uh, you know, the, the money creation intensifies and we see a, a hyperinflation type event where, where stocks go higher nominally, but, the, the, you know, they, they, they really crash in real terms when, when, say, measured in gold or some other unit? I mean, does the, the, does the money printing um, somehow... Uh, create some type of a, uh, maybe an illusion as to what the value of stocks are? I mean, that's that's true. It already has done that. 
after you put seven trillion dollars in the market over the past decade, um, you know, you have to look at these prices and say, well, yeah, they're up nominally, but the real value of them is not because the true inflation rate is is substantially higher than the report. I use as a as a guideline the January fourteenth, two thousand high in the Dow is actually the inflation at just the top in the market. And everything that we've had since then in real dollars is not higher. The market has not really gone up since two thousand. It's it's nominal inflationary dollars that push push the price up, but in real dollars and inflation adjusted dollars, when you look at the cost of living increases since two thousand, the market is not even higher than it was in two thousand. So, Bob, let's shift gears a minute because often when the stock market corrects, you see investors move to U.S. government bonds as a safe haven. However, given the current state of U.S. finances um, and given that interest rates are already extremely low, um, do you see the safe haven changing moving ahead? And, and what's your forecast for U.S. government bonds? This is where it gets interesting. As long as the United States is the biggest military and the dollar is the uh, the world's currency, the world's uh, 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 standard currency, um, they can get away with printing all the dollars they want, have the Federal Reserve sell them to the Treasury, the Treasury exchanges them for uh, IOUs from the government, and then they have the money to keep uh, bond rates low. Um, but if the dollar is no longer the world reserve currency, if that changes, maybe the rest of the world gets fed up with how much money is being printed and how deflationary the dollar's gotten, and they try to change that, or the military of the United States weakens, once the Federal Reserve is, is the dollar is no longer the world's reserve currency, then interest rates have to go through the roof like the Weimar Republic saw in Germany way back. But as long as they can get away with being the reserve currency, they can get away with keeping the long-term interest rates low. And it also would be a safe haven draw for people that are concerned about the chaos that's happening now and will continue. Uh, what's your take on uh, highly rated corporate bonds now that uh, that market has been altered since the CARES Act? I don't like corporate bonds in this environment at all. I mean, you saw what happened to General Electric. You see these companies, they're struggling. I mean, they have to change the dynamic of work at home now. I mean, who, who knows what's real and what's imaginary in the corporate world right now? I, I'm, not, I'm not real happy about it. Yeah, so we're chatting today with Dr. Bob McHugh. Uh, the clock tells me that uh, we're going to have to uh, end the conversation here soon. Uh, however, uh, if you're just joining us, Bob's website is technicalindicatorindex.com. I'd encourage you to check that out. And uh, his book, The Coming Economic Ice Age, is a must-read. And, uh, Bob, thank you so much for joining us on today's program. We'd love to have you back down the road. Thank you, Dennis. It's a real pleasure to be here. And uh, anytime, that would be great. Thank you. We will return after these words. You are listening to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you're listening in today. And thanks again for Dr. Bob McHugh for joining me on today's program. You know, if you don't yet have the Your RLA app, let me tell you why you should get it. 
First of all, if you want to get the app, all you have to do is visit our website, retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. The website, again, is retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. And you can download the app there. And once you have the app, you'll be able to get access to our weekly webinars on which we talk about strategies and give you tips on how to handle your finances moving ahead in what is a very difficult environment. You'll also get access to our weekly newsletter, and you'll also be able to get the podcast version of this radio program. It is the only way that you can get these resources. So go ahead and visit retirementlifestyleadvocates.com, download the app, and uh, you will be able to get access to all those resources moving ahead. We are all about education here at RLA Radio, so this is a new educational resource that we want to make available to you. Also on today's program, we are making available a free copy of the number one best-selling book, Revenue Sourcing, that was released earlier this year. If you missed your opportunity to get this book a few months ago, we are now making it available to you again. All you have to do to get your copy of the book is visit revenuesourcingbook.com, and we'll be glad to send you a complimentary copy. Just let us know where we should mail the book, and we will do that. The Revenue Sourcing Book has a subtitle, The Retirement Planning Strategy for the Post-Pandemic Economy. And in the book, you'll discover a two-bucket approach and how to use it in your situation that may help you navigate the current environment. So again, revenuesourcingbook.com to get your copy of the book and to download the free app, just go to retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. You know, here on the program and in the newsletter, if you're a subscriber, I have been talking about some trends that have been developing this year. Zero Hedge had an article that talked about one of these trends, which is the move away from major cities. It's a migration. It's literally an exodus. That's not too strong a word to use away from cities into the suburbs and into rural areas. Bottom line, those with the means to exit the city are doing so as crime rates are skyrocketing and rioting in many areas persists. Zero Hedge published an article this past week about one of these cities. It's New York City. New York City moving companies report they have a rush of hust customers so high that it feels like, as one moving company put it, move out day on a college campus. Now get these numbers. According to Flat Rate Moving, which is um, a moving data site, the number of moves from New York City has increased 46% between March 15 and August 15 as compared with the same period last year. Dutchess County, which is a desirable rural area, has seen a 232% increase in moves into the county. Ulster County in the Hudson Valley in the Hudson Valley moves are up 116%. 
A successful New York City dentist said, the first day we could move, we left. And the first day they could move was when movers were declared an essential service by Governor Cuomo. Where did they move? They moved to rural Pennsylvania where they had relatives. The article also talks about an unprecedented boom in suburban real estate. Now, this boom in suburban real estate is fueled by people's desire to get out of the city, but also their economic ability to do so, as many workers are now working online. July alone saw home sales in suburban counties near New York City increase 44% over July of 2019. And there were a couple of examples given as to how rabid this market is. Over three days in late July, a three-bedroom house in East Orange, New Jersey, was listed for sale for $285,000. Three days, 97 showings, 24 offers, and went under contract for 21% over the asking price. Long Island. Six people made offers on a $499,000 house in Valley Stream without seeing it in person after it was shown on Facebook in a live video. In the Hudson Valley, a three-acre property with a pool listed for $985,000. It had four all-cash bids within a day of having 14 showings. This level of migration has not occurred since the mid-20th century. Now, Bloomberg recently reported on this, and if I were to ask you to guess the states that people are moving from, I would dare to wager that many of you would probably guess all three. The top three on the list, New Jersey, New York, and Illinois. No surprise there. New Jersey's at the top of the list, and of all the moves in and out of New Jersey, 70% are outbound moves. So where are people moving? Vermont, Idaho, and South Carolina are among the the most popular places to move. Vermont leads the list. 75% of the moves involving Vermont are into the state. The National Association of Realtors conducted a survey of its members in June and simply asked the realtors who are out there in the trenches every day working with people who want to move, where are your prospective buyers looking for houses? About half were looking for a new home in the suburbs or subdivision 40% were looking to go rural with their next real estate purchase. Only 10% were considering an urban area in which to buy real estate. These trends will likely continue. Now, if you'd like to stay abreast of these trends and strategies you might consider to take advantage of them, let me again remind you, in case you're just joining us today, 
that you can get a copy of the Your RLA app where you can get access to all our resources by visiting the website retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. The website, again, is retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. I'd encourage you to go check it out. The app is free. There's no reason not to do it. That's the program for this week. Hope you got something you can use, and I'll be back again next week.